Amen. Good to see everybody this morning. Uh, as you know, we are in a, a series this summer going through the book of Acts. And uh, it's amazing to me as we've been doing the study through the book of Acts. And if you know anything about the book of Acts, this is the author was Luke who wrote about what God did through the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit in the early church and how he just did just extraordinary things through a group of people who in their own strength could never accomplish what God accomplished through these 120 believers on the festival of Pentecost that came together and were filled with the Holy Spirit and basically transformed their world around them. And that's the that's the good news about Jesus. He's the one that transforms us. He's the one that does the work in us. He's the one that gives us the power uh, to live out the life that he desires for us in this world. But how many know that, that, that Christianity is more than just about coming to church and, and just coming once a week, but it's actually about a life that's been transformed in the power of Jesus' name, and then to take that out into the world to exclaim to the world, this is what God has done to me. I, 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 I enjoy watching the Olympics. I don't know how many of you enjoy watching the Olympics. I don't enjoy staying up to 12 o'clock at night, so I'm almost glad it's over. But uh, no, matter, no matter, I know the results before because I'm one of those people that need to know the results before, but I still want to watch it and see what goes on. So I already know what happens, but I like watching it. But some of the background stories are just, are really the fun part about the Olympics, knowing the trials that people have overcome to get where they were. Well, there is this interesting thing about a, a, a diver, an American diver. I don't know if you guys caught it, but it was kind of neat. There's this American diver. Obviously, you know, the Chinese have won six out of the seven gold medals in diving. They just dominate in, in diving and both women and men's side. But there's a diver his name was, I think his last name was Bodiah, and uh, he was uh, in 18th place in the preliminary in the divings, which they only take the top 18. If you don't make the top 18, you don't even get into the next round. So he barely snuck in, and they interviewed him after that, saying, hey, how, how do you feel about it, about it? And he said this, he goes, you know, God is sovereign. Now, you cannot be a Christian and talk about the sovereignty of God. So he was talking about the sovereignty of God, and he goes, you know what, whatever God wills, I'm just open to him and I just serve him. It was such a neat interview of someone that obviously was following the Lord. So I, I, you know, that perked my interest in this guy. So I go, I'm going to kind of follow him. Well, in the next round, he went from 18th and jumped into third place. And then if you guys watched it last night, which isn't a spoiler alert, if you watched it last night, he got first place. He beat the Chinese, who was just the favorite by leaps and bounds. And uh, I thought, you know what? So many times you hear people, you know, talk about God and all, you know, they point up to the heavens or whatever after they run their race. But when you actually hear somebody talk about the sovereignty of God, and it really, for him, wasn't really about the diving. It was about God being glorified through, through a life, whether it's through sports or whatever. And that's what I love about the Eric Little story from the 1924 Olympic Games, the runner for Great Britain who, who gave up running his favorite event, the 100-meter uh, dash uh, in the prelims because the prelims were, were on Sunday and he didn't run it because he felt convicted about running on Sunday and and then he ran the 400 meters which wasn't his, his best event he ended up winning gold for that and if, as you notice before each medal ceremonies they played the song from chariots of fire dun, 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 dun. 
Da, 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 da. People run in slow motion, you know, da, da, on the beach, you know. And a great movie. If you've never seen it, please watch it because Eric Liddell was a missionary and just his parents were missionaries. Incredible story of what God did. But the thing I love about Eric Little is this. He, he told his sister, you know, it, it really wasn't about the gold medal. What he told his sister, he goes, I feel like when I run, I give God pleasure. I feel God's pleasure on me when I run. No gold medal could ever do that because that's going to fade and tarnish and, and be gone and be destroyed one day. But he actually says, I feel the pleasure of God. I, I, I feel that when I run, that God has given me this gift to use for him. See, that's the difference about a life that's been transformed through the power of Jesus' name. It's not simply about going to church and slapping a denominational tag upon your back saying, I'm this, I'm that. It's about a life that's been changed through Jesus' name, and now you desire to allow the glory of Christ to live through you no matter what you do. So you can't hold it back. So I get so irritated when I hear people, oh, I wish Tim Tebow would just keep his religion to himself. You know what I say to that? That's what I say to those people. Because you know what? You can't. If you are a follower of Christ, you shouldn't keep it back. You should allow the glory of God to live through your life. Your, your life now is Christ, and it should be a testimony to the world of what Jesus Christ has done for you. If your life has been transformed, how can you keep it to yourself? And that's what made the early church so powerful. They just didn't stay in that group of 120 and say, okay, let's build a church now and just be us four and no more. It literally spilled out into the streets and where they lived, and they began to exclaim this message that Jesus Christ is alive, that he is God, that he has come to save men from their sins. And so this was the message. This is what changed the early church. And what I love about this is, is what I want to talk about today is, is how this family of God began to form. And I love that, that the message of Christ includes everyone. God takes all kind of people and he makes them one in Christ. Every single follower of Jesus Christ, no matter what your background, has to go through the cross. And I love about the early churches this unity that was seen through the message of Christ. Unity is one of the incredible works of the Holy Spirit in the early church, taking people from all different types of backgrounds and through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit was making them one. Now, I want to remind you of something as we jump into the the text this morning. When the church started, it started basically with one group of people. The message first was given to the Jewish people. However, the gospel message of Christ didn't stay there. It would eventually come to the Gentiles who were non-Jewish people. Now you would ask, as we're sitting here in 2012, what, Pastor, what's the big deal? So what? So it went to the Jews and then it went to the Gentiles. I want to tell you why it was a big deal because there was much animosity between the Jews and the Gentiles. The Gentiles were seen as uncircumcised heathens, not Abraham's children. And the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles was not categorically forbidden, yet a Jew could find himself religiously unclean by touch, touching something that was touched by a Gentile. So there was this barrier. There was this separation between people. 
entering a Gentile building or handling something that belonged to a Gentile or food coming from a Gentile could cause a Jew to become unclean. So the bottom line is that it was not kosher, haha, to sit or eat with the Gentile for the risk of becoming ceremonially unclean. This was a huge deal in the early church. How are you going to rectify these huge differences between Jew and Gentile? And so you have Jews who have been saved by the wonderful message of Christ, understanding that he is the Messiah, he is the one that's been prophesied in the Old Testament, he is the one that's come to save them from their sins. But the message was not just for them, it was for all people. The prophet Joel He prophesied that God's spirit would be poured out on who? On all flesh. Just not the Israelites, but on all flesh. And so Peter, preaching on the day of Pentecost, quoted the prophet Joel and said that God would actually do this. It wasn't just for one set of people. It was for all people. Now, here's the dilemma. My past tells me that I'm supposed to do this. I'm not supposed to fellowship with the non-Jew. I'm, I'm only supposed to marry Jewish people. Or, you know, maybe you were raised like this, where you, if you were Italian, you were only supposed to marry Italians. I don't, I don't know how old some of you are here. We don't see that today. But let me tell you something. My grandparents, my grandfather, 100% brown-eyed, curly, I didn't know that because he lost his hair real young because I never saw old pictures I saw of my grandfather. He was Sicilian all the way through. Curly brown hair, brown eyes. We got family photos and he looked Italian. He was as Italian as you get. My grandmother grew up in the hills of Vermont on a farm, never saw a brown-eyed person until she went to college. Say what? That's how sheltered she lived. Her, she was brought up Protestant. My, my grandfather was raised, if you're Italian, you're Catholic. He was raised Catholic. Now, back in the 1920s, you didn't take a Protestant person and marry him with a Catholic. That was, that was not good. And so when my grandmother After she graduated from from college, still not married, she ran into my grandfather. Brown-eyed, curly-haired, thin, good-looking. I take after my grandfather. (laughs) Good-looking, Sicilian guy. And she's like, whoa, I never saw a guy like this growing up in the hills of Vermont. She grew up like disciples of Christ or some Quaker offshoot, so real protestant very religious she went to church and sunday school she could quote the bible inside out my grandmother and now she meets this catholic sicilian so they fall in love blue eyed my grandmother had the bluest eyes in the world brown eyed curly sicilian they fall in love they get married guess what hardly anybody showed up to their marriage in protest you're thinking that's the way it was i mean and think about it that was just you know, not even 100 years ago, okay? But think about it in, in, in the context of the early church. Magnify that 100 times over. You've got a problem here. You've got a huge problem. How are we going to blend these two groups of people who are so opposed to each other? This was a miracle of God. 
I, I, I can't even stress that to you enough how the blending of those, these two people under the headship of Christ was literally a miracle of God and would be a testimony to the world around them that God is a pretty big God. That God can cross any ethnic background, race background, social background. God can cross all those things. And I'll tell you what, that, that is the one thing that attracted me to Christianity. When you come into a church and, and you've got people from all different backgrounds, all different ethnic backgrounds, and they've come together to worship the Lord, that's a strong testimony to the, to the world that God is no respecter of person or their background. Jesus came to save souls, period. He doesn't care where you're from, what your background is. He could care less. Jesus loves people. He came for souls. He came for people. And, and so here, here you have this, this dilemma that, that I'm not supposed to socialize with this, you know, encounter with these other people. And this is the amazing work of the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God began to blend all people together, regardless of, of ethnic background, ethnicity, or social or economic background. This is pretty cool stuff. And Paul reiterates this. If you've got your notes, look up at the screens. Paul reiterates this in Galatians 3.28. He said, there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all what? One in Christ Jesus. The distinction between Jew and Gentile is now broken down. There is no more separation. We are now unified under Christ, and we are now one. Christ is the door which we all must enter through. Now, this is going to be a huge issue for many of the Jews in the early church because they were raised with a certain type of traditions for thousands of years that included dietary laws and the way they did things and the Sabbath and all these things that they were to do. But you've got to remember, it wasn't that God did away with these things. It was that Jesus fulfilled all those things in his life. And that's where we need to be careful because sometimes we can fall back on these laws as a requirement for our righteousness. And so we begin to fall back on these legal laws and legalisms to be righteous for God. And the early church had to get over some of these things because what was beginning to happen in the early church is you would get some Jewish believers that would come in and they would say, okay, you can be saved in Jesus, but you've got to add this. It was salvation plus you got to do this. So salvation plus you've got to be circumcised, which wasn't good news for a lot of men, okay? So that's not good news, okay? And, and so how do we rectify these laws that were given to the Jews for thousands of years that they must follow? They had to understand that Jesus Christ fulfilled all these things and only in Christ could all these things be fulfilled to make us one? Does that make sense? Are, are, are we here, 830 group, crowd? Okay, this is important because what happens is we can fall into the same dilemma. That we can get very religious and we can say, okay, it's Jesus, but you got to do this. It's Jesus, but you got to do this. It's Jesus, but you have to go through all these different 
you know, hurdles in order to get to Jesus. No, it's Jesus, period. It, our righteousness only comes from him. There's nothing I can do to be righteous in my own accord. It all comes through Christ. That's the gospel message. And that was the message that was literally going to blend the church together. That's why Paul wrote many of his letters to the Galatians, to the Romans, to reiterate this very fact, we are one in Christ. Be careful to watch out for those that are going to manipulate the gospel message by trying to add works to the salvation message, which will put a stumbling block in front of many from receiving Christ. And a group of those were called the Judaizers who were trying to add to salvation. You can be a Christian, but you got to do this. You can be a Christian, but you got to add something from the Old Testament law in order to follow that. And Paul's saying, no. Jesus fulfilled all those things. We no longer have to follow. If you want to follow those things, let it be between you and God. But don't make that a requirement for the Gentiles to do, for we are all one now in who? In Christ. And what those laws and regulations will do will put separation between you and the Gentiles, and it will negate everything that Jesus came to do. So Jesus came to make us one. In him. So let's look at a story here. We're going to look at, at, at Acts chapter 10, and we're going to kind of hop around a little bit in, in Acts chapter 10. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read different things, uh, different um, chapters in Acts, in, of different verses in Acts chapter 10, because I want to give you a vision that God gave to Peter. This was so vital and bringing the unity into the early church. And this was vital for, for Peter, who was, who was Jewish, and being able to use him to reach out to the Gentiles to blend the church together. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 10. I've got my reading glasses. There they are. I almost forgot them. I asked, asked Kathleen to get them for me. So I have my reading glasses so I can see... There's no way I'm going to see this thing. So I'm going to read it off my phone, which I can see. So here we go. Oh, I can see. This is amazing. All right. Let's read. Stop laughing at me, okay? Get your laughs out now. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known of the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with his household gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God and came to him and said, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, who is by a house is by the sea. And when the angel who had spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, now here's the vision that God gives Peter while he is there. The next day as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop in about the sixth hour to pray, which is about noon, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while he was preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open up and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And in it were all kind of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice that said to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. 
But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Remember, he's following the dietary laws. And the voice came to him a second time and said, what God has made made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the same thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now let's skip down to verse 24. And this is interesting how God brings these two visions together. And on the following day they entered Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And when Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And he talked with him and went in and found many persons that were gathered and said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or even come to visit anyone of another nation, a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. And I asked then why you sent for me. Now drop down to verse 44 and look at this really cool thing that, that happens here. As Peter's beginning to speak to the crowd and speak to those that gathered with Cornelius, begins to share the gospel message with them. Verse 44 says this, while Peter was still staying, saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word, heard the gospel message of Christ. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. The Jewish people that were with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on who? The Gentiles. For this reason, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit as we have. And he commended them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. This was incredible what God did in this moment because what God was doing was he was preparing the church to unify these two groups of people. So what I want to do is I want to dissect exactly what happens here in chapter chapter 10. And there are about three major things that happens in this chapter that I want to I want you to see and these are huge god things that have happened in these visions that God gave Cornelius and that God gave Peter. Let let's first look at how God God thing part 1 how God prepared Cornelius. What God did here is God reached out to a gentile to tell him that he heard his prayers. Cornelius honored the God of Israel. He may not have been completely accepted because of the Jewish people, because he was a Gentile. And when they would actually go to the temple, there was an area for the court of the Gentiles and they couldn't go any further into the temple area. And if you know anything about the temple in Jerusalem, it was separated by all these different walls. There was the court of the Gentiles and then it separated from the court of the women and then there was a, another court that the Jewish men could go into and then as you got closer and closer to the inner part of the, the temple, only the priests could go in there and then, the, and then the Holy of Holies, only the high priest could go into there. So you saw all this separation and as you would go into the temple, there was a huge curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant would be. And so you see all these separations 
that God established between these things. And what is so interesting is when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place was ripped in half from top to bottom, signifying there was no more separation from man and God, that Jesus bridged that gap now. Jesus would do the same thing with us. Jesus would do the same thing with men, with women. Do you realize that Jesus was the greatest liberator of women? I got to say one thing, go women in the Olympics. Oh my goodness. If it was for the women, we wouldn't have won any medals. They were just awesome. I say, go women in the Olympics, man. Was that soccer game just unbelievable? Oh my goodness. That was just, okay. They mentioned Rochester quite a bit because of Amy Wambach. I thought that was really cool. But anyways, I digress. So here we see that separation is now gone. God reaches out to this Gentile to tell him that he heard his prayers. And, and it's interesting, in the passage here, it says that God hears his prayers as a memorial. As a memorial. That's an interesting word in the Greek there. Which means is God didn't forget his prayers. This is what I love about God. He doesn't forget your prayers. In fact, the word memorial is the same Greek root as we get the word remembrance or a record. Here, this God-fearing man may have not have been completely accepted in this religious group, but he feared this God of Israel. And God saw him and says, I haven't forgotten about you. I'm going to reach out to you. In fact, I'm going to reach out to you. I'm going to send you one of my apostles to come and reach out to you. Can you imagine? He must have just, what? He must have flipped out. And God loved him so much they didn't forget about him. It, it amazes me the way God reaches us. I heard a story. There's a man I met in South Carolina. He was from Saudi Arabia. And uh, he shared his testimony, how he came to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This was amazing. I sat down with him at lunch one time. It was just like... My jaw was dropped just listening to his testimony of how God reached him. Here's how God reached the Saudi Arabia. Now, you know, in Saudi Arabia, there's no church unless it's underground. There's no proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in that because it's an Arab nation uh, and, and there's no proclamation there of the gospel message. So he was telling me that he had a dream and God spoke to him in a dream just like this, God spoke to him and, and came to him and, 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 and basically he heard about Christ in this dream. And so he was disturbed. He's like, what is going on here? Well, what happened is not much longer after that, there were some service people, in, either in the army or air force, I can't remember what it was, were serving in part of Saudi Arabia and he found a military camouflaged Bible, found it and began to read it and said, oh my goodness, this is what I was told about in the dream. And he got saved. Then he began to share it with his mom. His dad was the last one to become a Christian. And then eventually they moved to the United States. And his dad was very careful because he didn't want to get persecuted for his faith in Jesus Christ. But to me, it's amazing how God can reach us. Even in a country 
that, that is, is against, the, is, is, is not for the gospel message or setting up churches or, or missionary endeavors that's against it. God can still reach. And God did not forget about this man, Cornelius, and his prayers that were offered up to God. And so this is amazing. So he was sensitive. He listened to the Lord. So he obeyed God and he sent his servants to, to go and find this man in Joppa. So here's the second God thing. Look how God's setting everything up. He sets up Cornelius, and then the next God thing, part two, is he begins to prepare Peter and begins to, to work in Peter's heart. And so while in Joppa, a city right on the Mediterranean Sea, Peter was given a vision, and what this vision was, it was vital for the unity of the church. And basically what God was telling Peter is nothing is unclean. There's nothing that is uncommon, basically meaning I am not going to allow you to separate yourself from other people. That you can go up and eat this meat that, that was considered unclean. I see it clean now. I've sanctified it. It's okay. You can go eat now. And so what he was telling them, it is okay to fellowship with the Gentiles. Peter even said it. I'm forbidden to go to these other nations. In fact, when Jesus was alive, they were not to go through Samaria. They would go around Samaria because they would see Samaritans as kind of half-breeds, half-Jewish, half-not, and they would go around. But Jesus went right through it. He didn't care. Because why? Because he loved people. He wasn't prejudiced against the Samaritans, where his steps was, well, we need to go around unless we become unclean. We don't fellowship with them. We don't, we don't, we, we, we don't love them. We don't accept them. And so here God gives Peter this vision that God was going to bring the good news to everyone. Paul said this so well when he says, we are Christ's ambassadors. We're, we're just not reaching out to one set of people. Paul says it, he says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ and, and God making his appeal through us. He said, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So that message is for everyone. So basically, the bottom line here is God saves, we proclaim. God saves people. We're just messengers that we proclaim to everyone who needs to hear it. But the problem is, what keeps us from sharing? God knew that the huge stumbling block or barrier that would keep the message of Christ from going forth to all nations would be us, would be our own prejudices. We used to have a saying down in South Carolina, the most segregated time in South Carolina is Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. It's, it's, it's not good. It's just not good. We segregate ourselves into this church, into that church, and, and maybe under this ethnicity, and we, we separate ourselves, and God says, wait a minute, that's not good. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You see, God uses us to bring the good news to everyone. We are that. We are Christ's ambassadors. But what keeps us from sharing? It's prejudice. I'll be honest with you. It's prejudice. Whether we like it or not, let me just be honest with all of you, we are all prejudiced in one way or another. We have our preferences one way or another. You see, a prejudice is an opinion that's formed without examination. It's a bias. It's, it's prejudging someone. It may not be obvious, but just the place in where you were born or the way you were brought up, you automatically think that your way 
is the best way. Just by the way you were raised. Hate to be so blunt this morning, but I love you, okay? I'm just being honest with you, okay? Now, what I've learned from going on so many missions trips and what I've learned from the missionaries and, and talking with, with Jay and Nancy Dickerson, missionaries who were first in Belize and then in Costa Rica, we did a lot of trips with them and now they oversee all the missionaries in Central America. They would have a school and there was a school called Sincel, which was in Costa Rica, where all the missionaries that go to any Spanish-speaking country have to go here for a year. No matter what your educational background is, you have to go to this school for a year. And We actually worked at that school and some of you went with me. It was a great trip. Uh, but what they learn is one of the classes that they truly stress that they really want those that are coming in is cultural, is to understand the culture. Because what happens is Americans come in and we have all these prejudices and, and preconceived notions that our way is the best way and we can tend to come off very haughty and cocky and, and not even knowing it, putting down the very people that are native to that country. And so Americans can come off as know-it-alls. We, we, uh, we know better because we have more. Uh, you know, I say this tongue-in-cheek, but we think we have more. But after I leave every trip, I understand that I'm really the one that's poor, that I'm really the one that really, really doesn't get it sometimes. And I can remember working on many construction trips and even with our other church in South Carolina that, that I served as youth pastor, and we'd go down and say, well, this is, this is the better way of doing this. this, this we need to do it. And I remember missionaries saying, listen, you listen to them and allow them to show you the way to do it, and you just be their servants. Just, just serve. Just lay everything down and just go to serve. Because you know what? The people around you, they, they watch the way you do things and the way you look at them and the way you may snub something or do something. And I just always go back to what John Ramos said in Guatemala, and I've shared this with you before because it just gripped my heart when he sat down. And he didn't do it, he didn't do it harshly or, or abrasive, but John just said this. He said, listen, when you come here, you're going to see kids that are just dirty, that haven't taken baths in a while, their hair's dirty, and they're going to come and they're going to want to love on you. But they will know if you shun them. They, they will know if, if you do that. And he goes, listen, if you've got a problem with that and, 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 and it's going to be difficult for you to hug kids that haven't taken baths in a while, that are stinky, that their hair hasn't been cleaned, if you've got problems with it, then, then don't come on that particular trip. I'd rather have you stay back than do it. And he didn't do it mean, but it's just the point is that you don't want to offend the kids and sometimes we're, we're easily offended because it's not our way or it's not the best way. See, that's a prejudice. It may not be a blatant prejudice, but it's a prejudice. It's a preconceived notion that we think that we're better. And I'll tell you what, when the Lord, the Lord needs to humble us and just say, under the mighty hand of Jesus Christ, I am nothing. I was bought with a price. And through the power of Jesus' name, he brings us together. And this is what Peter needed to see. The early apostles needed to see this, that God loved the Gentiles, that he was grafting them in through Jesus Christ, that we are all now children of Abraham. You know why? Because Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them 
So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left. Okay, okay. I love that song. We should just do that on Sunday morning one time. Do all the hand motions and love that song. I used to sing it every week when I was a children's pastor. The kids just got sick of it. No, I love it. Okay. You know, and so th- this is what's wonderful about the Holy Spirit working in the early church because before Peter's encounter with Cornelius, God had to do this work in Peter's heart to show him it was okay. Now listen to me closely. All the dietary laws, the ceremonial laws, the sacrifices, the festivals, the special days, circumcisions will no longer get in the way with fellowshipping with the Gentiles. These things will no longer separate us. Jesus fulfilled these requirements through his perfect life. We are now one in Christ. That's what unites us, not what we do or don't do, not anything religious, Jesus and Jesus alone. Peter had to get this. Now, Peter was going to stumble over this later on. We're going to see in Acts because he may have got this and did a great job, but then there's going to be a thing we're going to talk about where they had some church conflict where they still had some issues with the Jews and the Gentiles coming together and fellowshipping with one another, and and they're going to have issues with this, and God used Paul to kind of rebuke Peter, and we're going to talk about this and how we get through conflict in church when we don't see things eye to eye. So God does a great thing through Peter, and let's look at the God thing part three because this is the really cool part. The really cool thing about God thing part three is God unifies the Jews and the Gentiles through the Holy Spirit, through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens here, Peter is taken by Cornelius' servants to Cornelius' house. And what happens next is absolutely incredible. What Peter begins to do is Cornelius is, is so enamored by this that he brings his servants, he brings his friend. He's got a household full of people. Peter begins to preach to these Gentiles because now he's free to do this. He's not living under condemnation. He's freed up by God to go and, and, and go to a Gentile's house, which before that he would have been considered ceremonially unclean if I do these things and God saying it's okay you're clean through Jesus Christ we are one so Peter begins to preach to these Gentiles once an enemy once looked down upon once considered unclean Peter is now sharing the message of Christ and Peter as he's sharing the Holy Spirit falls on all those who were gathered there and, and they're amazed. The people that came with Peter, the Jews that came with Peter, are amazed at what God begins to do in the midst of this company as he's preaching the word and as they're, as they're turning their hearts to, to Jesus Christ and making him their, their Lord and Savior. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit drops like a bomb on that house. And these people begin to speak with other tongues as a significant of what God was doing in their midst. And I'm going to tell you, this was significant. This was powerful. Why was this so important? I want to give you a couple reasons why this was so important. The reason for the Holy Spirit baptizing these Gentiles and, and filling them and giving them the gift of tongues was for this reason. It was a sign. It was an outward sign of what God was doing in them to unify the church. This was so important in the early church. It was a sign to whom? 
It was a sign to the apostles and the Jews that the same spirit that was poured out on them on the day of Pentecost was now being poured out on the Gentiles, and it was a sign that God accepted the Gentiles. That the, that the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel was now fulfilled right before Peter's eyes that this same Spirit, this Holy Spirit, was now poured out upon the Gentiles. Now, listen to me, that's good news for you and I today. That God has now engrafted the Gentiles. Now, let, let's take it a step further. This is so important. The Gentiles were not to be seen as second-class spiritual citizens what God was showing the early apostles was that they were to be equally and fully accepted as part of the family of God. That there wasn't going to be these separation of spiritual Christianity or spiritual Christians that you got the Christian Jews over here and they're the top because God first gave them. And then underneath them, you got the second class of Christians and they would be the Gentiles. No, what God was saying to them is, no, you are all one now in Christ Jesus because I have poured out my spirit upon them. And that's why Peter exclaimed, what keeps us now from baptizing them? Nothing. They've received, and they needed this outward manifestation of the Holy Spirit to prove to the apostles that God was doing a great thing in their heart, that God was going to empower them also to be his witnesses in the world. Amen. This is cool stuff. The second thing I want you to see is not only was it a sign to show that God was unifying these two groups of people, but it was a gift. The Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives us for His purposes. This was something that God did in order to convert uh, these believers into Jesus' name. Now, here's, here's why I want you to see that this is such a wonderful gift. In order to convert to Judaism, one would have to be circumcised. The Holy Spirit's presence showed that God accepted the Gentiles without circumcision. Circumcision showed that they were the sons of Abraham. This was the covenant, a sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham, that every Israelite was to be circumcised on the eighth day to show the covenant that God made with Abraham. This was a sign that they were different, that they were separated unto God for his purposes. This was huge. This was not, this was not if you want to be or not want to be. This was you had to be, if you were Jewish, you had to be circumcised. There was no question about it. Otherwise, you weren't. You weren't part of the chosen. You weren't part of, of what God was doing amongst the Israelites. You had to be circumcised. Here's the gift that God gives them. God said, listen, now that the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon the Gentiles, I accept them without circumcision because we are all what? Born into Christ. He is the one that makes us whole and perfect. Now, this would later become, as I said earlier, a problem in the church with many of the Judaizers. But God said, listen, I am uniting them. And Christ has fulfilled all the requirements that I've given to Abraham and Moses 
So for those that come to faith in Christ Jesus, they are now one and I accept them. They're no longer the sign of circumcision that you are now accepted. I accept them through the power of the Holy Spirit. This was huge because it brought these two opposing groups together and only God could do that. Because there were so many stumbling blocks between the two, whether it was ceremonial laws or circumcision or uh, 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 honoring the Sabbath. There were so many things that hindered them from coming together and fellowshipping and becoming one. God had to do this extraordinary work right before their very eyes to say, this is my will. This is my desire that my spirit will be poured out on all flesh and you should become one in Christ Jesus. I'm going to circumcise your hearts. I'm going to do a work inside of you. It's not the outer work that matters. It's what I'm doing in your heart and life. And the early apostles needed to see this great work before them. So here's the result. Here was the result of God pouring out his spirit even on the Gentiles, the result of being filled with the Spirit. And this, this, this needs to be a, a key characteristic in the church today. And, and if we don't have this, we're missing something. If, if this is not a characteristic of the church, if these are not characteristics of my life, then I am missing something. The Holy Spirit is not in my life and working in my life. You see, the Holy Spirit brings people together. The Holy Spirit is what breaks down barriers. The Holy Spirit breaks your prejudices. The Holy Spirit gives you a love for all people that you could never have in your own strength. The Holy Spirit breaks judgmental attitudes that my way is the best way. The Holy Spirit humbles us to do the work that God has called us to do, that we can link arms with anyone with different backgrounds and say, you know what? Christ has saved us all. The, the, at the foot of the cross, it's level. There's no one more special than anyone else. And we, need to, and we need to be used by God as his hands and his feet extended in this world, showing Jesus' love, that Jesus loves everyone, that he died for everyone. Only the Holy Spirit in our lives can reveal that fact to us about how God loves the world. Th- this, this could not have been more vivid to me as a young teenager when right before my very eyes, I saw two opposing groups who literally hated each other and who literally were out to kill each other, come and link arms and hug each other. As a teenager, I got to witness at a conference that I was able to attend an ex-KKK grand wizard from Alabama or Mississippi, wherever it was. He was head of that whole section, got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, God humbled him, with another gentleman who is head of a local chapter of the Black Panthers. Now, their life before Christ, they weren't going to link arms and sing kumbaya with each other, okay? They'd be at each other's throats thinking ways they could kill each other. These two people were on the stage together, hugging each other. It was funny because the Democrat and Chronicles, they took a picture of it, actually got in the paper, I think. And to me, as a young person, as a teenager, I'm like, Only God can do that. Only God can strip us of our prejudice and and what we think is right and strip us of all those things and a hatred 
towards man and a hatred towards another group that's not like us. Only God can strip us of those things. You see, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is humility. It's, it's laying down our rights. It's laying down our needs to be able to serve others. And, and here's the bottom line. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is seen in my willingness to just lay down my rights to serve others, to say that my way isn't the best way necessarily. And so here's, here's the thing. As we pray and we just sing and we just let God touch our hearts today. Listen, it's a shame that we still live in a, in a world today that there's, that there's still seen as prejudice, black, white, separation here and there. Even in the church today, to me, that's, a, that's an abomination to God. And let me just tell you, nothing, I believe, shows the world a greater witness for Jesus Christ that when the church of Jesus Christ comes together and crosses all ethnic and race and social backgrounds and comes together under the power of Jesus' name, and shows the world we are one in Christ and we love each other and we love people, period. We love people. You know, we pray for Arab people. We pray for Muslim people. We pray for all people, no matter what their background, because Jesus gave his life for them too. And so God forbid that we would have a prejudice for a certain group of people, that God would break our hearts, that God would humble us before his mighty hand and said, listen, I saved you and you weren't so kind and you weren't so sweet, right? And you were a sinner. But I reached out to you in my love and gave you an opportunity to come to know me and to be redeemed by my mighty grace and to be saved from the wrath of God. May God humble our hearts and break our prejudice. It needs to start here with us in the church. God, break our hearts. You know, so many years ago when we dealt with the whole pornography issue and we had a big men's breakfast here for the pornography issue, there was, they're, they're worried that people are going to protest in the front of our property. And uh, so my first inclination was, okay, should we call the police and have them handcuffed and arrested and thrown on the ground and pistol whipped and so on and so forth? You know, that was my first reaction, you know. And uh, this person came up to me, one of the leaders of the group that came in that were helping us with it, said this. He goes, you know what? This is what we're going to do because it, it, was, it was during February or March. It was a cold time of the year. He goes, you know what we're going to do? We're gonna, if they do come and protest your church, let's serve them donuts and coffee and hot chocolate. I said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to hurt them. We're going to arrest them. We're not going to serve them hot. Why would I give them hot? They're protesting the church. What, what, come on, they're coming again. You know, and it's just, you know what? I was like, wow, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. We're going to show them love. We're going to show them the love of Christ. And even though they don't like what we're doing, and even though they may be protesting us, we're going to show them the love of Christ. 
You see, that's Christ's love welling up inside of us to say, you know what? They need God's love too. They need Christ's redeeming love too. What are we doing to do that? Is there something inside of me that hinders me from reaching out to others because of the way I was raised or some kind of prejudice that I might have? May God break us of those things and humble us to reach people with his love. Too many people in the, in the world know what we stand against, but do they know what we stand for? Living Word, Assembly of God, is for people because Jesus loves people regardless of your background. He died for the world. So may God break us of those things and give us his heart in these matters. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, God, as we just come before you today, Lord, I thank you for what you miraculously did in the early church. Lord, there was huge obstacles of bringing people together because of their past and because of past hatred and, and just things that were roadblocks for them coming together. And through the mighty hand of God, Lord, you brought those groups together through the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray today that, God, you would break our hearts today. God, watch us in the things that we say about other people or maybe the formulation in our mind that we have about other people that we prejudge people without really knowing all the facts. God, convict us of those things. Give us the heart of Christ today. That Jesus, you died for all people. That God, you cared so much about a man named Cornelius who was a God-fearer who was trying to find God. You cared so much about him that you reached out to him and his family. And I thank you, God, that you do not lose sight of us. Lord, you see that man in Iran <laughs> that's following a set of systems that works and trying to do it on his own, but you see that man and you love him. You see that man in Afghanistan who's trying to, find a trying to find God through a bunch of rules and regulations and hate and whatever it might be, God, but you see him and you love him and you gave your life for him. You see that woman in China and Vietnam, and South America and Central America, you see them, God. And Lord, you've called us to go into all the world to proclaim that wonderful message of what Christ has done. Lord, I pray that you would elevate our church, Lord, to new heights, that, God, you would give us a greater passion for the world, that, God, we would pray for those of Arab descent who are Muslim, who, who are Hindus, God, that we would pray for them, God, that Jesus loves them. He gave his life for them too, God. And we know that they're following the standards that have caused them to be blind. But Jesus, you've come into this world as the light of the world. We thank you for our missionaries that have laid their lives down on the line to reach these certain unreached people groups, God. And we pray that you would use them boldly as they reach out to them. 
So, Lord God, increase our love for the world. And we can only do that by being embraced by you. We can only do that by being filled with your Holy Spirit. We can only do that by being humbled by what Christ has done for us. And so, Lord, if there's any deficiency within my life that's not causing me to love, or if there's any prejudice in my life that's hindering me from reaching out to people, break us of those things and bring us back to the cross and allow us to see the magnitude of what Christ has has done for us that, that he was no respecter of person. That God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son that whosoever, that whosoever, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, I'm a whosoever. That person in Iraq is a whosoever. That person in Iran is a whosoever. That that little boy and girl in Panama is a whosoever. God, break our hearts today. So we thank you, Lord, for giving us your word today. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us despite our deficiencies and our lack of love and Our sin, Lord, thank you for loving us. Despite those things, you came and gave your life for us. So speak that to our hearts today, Lord. We love you and we praise you, God. Lord, we pray for our neighbors. Give us ways to reach out to them, God. Pray for our community, Lord. We pray for those that are hostile to us at work. We pray for our friends or family members that are hostile to us because of the message of Christ that we would continue to reach out in love. Deepen our love, God, for them because of what you've done for us, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for bringing us here together. I thank you for the family of God that brings us together to worship you. We love you and we thank you, Lord, for your grace today. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. Let's stand this morning. Let's just sing to the Lord. And let's, as we you know, close our time together, just, um, just focus on Jesus this morning. Just thank him for what he's done for you. Let, let Christ just grip your heart today for what he's done for you. And may that be seen in the way we reach out to others. So just worship him today. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. God bless you. All the longing of men's souls Only you can satisfy All the need to be made whole Only you can satisfy Only you Jesus only Sad.
song I shared this story with our Wednesday night Bible study group and here's one thing that I just love about this church some years ago we had a Evergreens our, our senior group we're having a little luncheon after church and there's a, a, a young man who came to our church he had piercings all over and and um, he came to our church and our church accepted him but he stayed for, for for lunch after and I can remember he was sitting at this table I think we even have a picture of it he was sitting at this table with an older woman in our church. She's since um, she's sick now, and, and, and she's in care now, hospital care. But uh, her name was Marion Sweet, and I can remember her just talking to this boy and just accepting him. And he came up to me later and goes, man, I just, you know, I feel accepted, church. Thank you for just letting me come. Well, that, uh, that young man now is a youth pastor in Seattle who reaches out to homeless teenagers. 
you know, you may not be able to relate to Peter and Cornelius and the Jew and the Gentile thing. Some of you are like, okay, that was the worst message pastor ever preached. Okay, I don't even get it. But, but I want you to think of Jake. That's modern day right there. That anybody that walks through our church, we would be open and loving to them. So thank you for doing a good job with that. Keep up the good work with doing that because that's what the church is all about. Amen? So hopefully... I could have just said at the beginning we would have been done. So, but um, hopefully the word of God just spoke to you today. Amen. God is good. Thank you, Lord, for your word today. And just let it melt into our hearts today, Lord, just to allow your love to overshadow everything we do and how we express your grace and love to those around us, that Jesus is alive, that he came for sinners, and that message is still saving and bringing people to God today. So we thank you for that. We give you the glory in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Listen, before you go, if you need prayer, our prayer partners will be up front. Anything, any needs you might have, we'd be more than willing to pray with you. Otherwise, go in God's grace. Have a great, great afternoon. God bless you.